Welcome to the Connect Raleigh podcast, where you hear the stories, the people, and the places that make Raleigh, North Carolina the best place to live. As one of the most connected people in town, real estate and networking expert Chuck Belden leverages his connections to introduce you to all the reasons why Raleigh is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. If you've lived in Raleigh for years or are thinking of moving here, this podcast is for you. It's local, it's authentic, and it's time to connect you with your host, Chuck Belden. Welcome to the Connect Raleigh podcast, Jerry. Glad to have you. So glad to be here. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, no, thanks. Let's thank Larry before we get started because Larry from Attended Events <laughs> just saved the day once again. I mean, um, I mean I'm going to have Attended Events be my you know, sponsor that I talk about on every episode because they're just the best in the business. And luckily, they saved the day and we get to talk now. And just a super great guy that we met today. So it just was a lot of fun to have that communication. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. I'm excited to talk with you. You know, I think um, since our first conversation over a hockey game, uh, every one since then has been fun. And I wanted to make sure that we got a chance to talk on the podcast and give everybody here a chance in the Connect Raleigh world to, to learn more about you and what you do. And so, you know, let's dive right in, man. Tell us a little about who you are and what you're doing these days. So I am Jerry McCormick. I'm a retired police officer after 30 years, and I formed a company in 2011 that's been, I still now am the chief safety officer for, where we do employee safety training. It's based on 20 years of research of active shooter events, where I interviewed active shooters in jail, went to active shooter scenes, looked at more than 300 cases of that. Before long, I started traveling around talking about my research, and then in the end, I ended up saying, well, I'll just train you to be an off-duty police officer. That led to doing research of over 9,800 police officers in America, Europe, and China and find out why they're never victims of crime. I can't say it never has happened. I can just say of the over 9,800 I've interviewed in those three areas of America, Europe, and China, I haven't found one to be a victim. And really? There's a lot of reasons why, but uh, there's six main reasons why. And it's just an opportunity really to take my police training, which I really enjoyed, and that was my why then, just WHY that is. Um, but now it's really how can we make everybody else feel and actually be safer? So it's been a really fun journey. A lot of stuff's come out of it, but uh, that's kind of just, we also now moved into um, distracted driving training, distracted driver training, because we just know that everybody has a, you can see some on a cell phone or doing some other things. Yeah. So it's just uh, how can we help people and then drive their vehicles safer so it's a two-part safety test okay so let's back up for a second so you studied 8,000 9,000 active mm-hmm. shooter cases scenarios incidences and not one victim in that whole thing was a police officer ever is that kind of actually i'm sorry i, I may have said that combined not the right way so what started everything was columbine columbine high school yeah and everybody waited outside and the police didn't go in so we started working in north carolina like every other state said well the police need to go in and deal with that not wait for the swat team and so that there i i looked at 327 cases of active shooter more since then but over a 20 year span and so we developed all this training and we're able to get some really good things to understand why these bad people did these things, why bad people, why these people would shoot up innocent people. And so along the way, everybody started asking me about my research on active shooter incidents. And I just realized that they thought I was training them, but active shooter training is not for you and me where we're talking about you know a business owner or uh, a corporate environment. They need employee safety training. So... One day I was, I was at a pharmaceutical company doing a lecture on my research and I realized they thought I was training them. 
Well, I said, well, I really, I'm not training you. So let me just stop and say, why don't I just teach you to be an off-duty police officer? I knew thousands of cops in the Raleigh, North Carolina area over that time because by then I'd been a police officer for more than 20 years. I didn't know one to be, to be a victim of a crime. And I said, well, let me just prove this. So everywhere I traveled first, while I was a police officer and then when I started being asked to lecture in Europe and China, uh, where I have seven schools there that I help with their say to when they come study in America and some other businesses, um, I started interviewing all these police officers. And I've, I'm up to 9,800 and around 64. I don't know the exact number right now, but more than 9,800. And along the way, I haven't found one to be a victim of a crime. And that's sort of, how can we take that lessons learned from police officers and roll it back into, because when it's not a police officer at work, he's with his wife or his kids or their husband, and they go to, you know, some like a religious service, or they do youth baseball, and when they go about their travels, just out in the community when they're not at work, how can they make that life more safe? It's not really so much about, oh my gosh, your company needs this specific training. Well, you should have safety training that's empowered and engaging, but I just found that it's such a gift to give somebody safety for their family. Mm-hmm. So what is it, you said there were six things that, mm-hmm. that you've maybe narrowed it down to or that you think are, are commonalities between the people that aren't victims of things like that. Can you share some of those? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so when we train police officers, if it's a litter complaint, well, this is how we look to find that you did, it, did it fall out? Did they throw it out? Was it an accident? So there's one way to handle that. If it's a fight call, then we're going to surround and get in and wait for some more officers to help. If it's domestic, we always send two officers. And then what are the action steps when you get there? So when we police officers are off duty, what they tend to do, and of the the 9,800 I've interviewed, 83% don't know why. They just think, well, I'm not a sucker. Or I'm not a, I know better. Well, you really learn better. So where is the incident? What's out of place? Doesn't fit. Doesn't have to be you know, something bad. It could be somebody just acting in a way that's peculiar. It doesn't really match the environment of the festival you're in or downtown area, what have you. Create some concern of being out of, really out of place. And then where is it relative to you? If it's right next to you, you might have to do something, but if it's far away from you or just a short way, maybe you can just move your family to a different direction. So where, what is it? Where is it? What are your action steps? And there's, I have 17 years of research on this. Pretty much will handle any kind of it, whether it's a tornado coming to your house and how you deal with that or versus, you know, an actual active shooter event, which is so rare, but when they do happen, they're pretty traumatic. Uh, and then, um, so where is it? relative to you, what's going on, what are your action steps, and then how are you going to respond physiologically? Because when you're away from work, you've already been trained at work how to deal with those stressful situations and be able to perform in those times. We call it stress inoculation training. Um, then so how you can respond to that fear-based thing called startle effect. And then uh, do you trust your instincts? Uh, your audience might want to look at a book for your family and your uh, your kids' daughters over 18 and kids over 18 called Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. It's just where he talks about how to trust your instincts and why you should. And then finally, how's the building built? So most corporate offer, just the building code requires certain features like solid core door or glass doors interior. All the windows outside have to have a polymer in it. So even if something broke it like a chair in a storm or a trash can, it'll stay in place. But once you understand these six main areas, what's going on? Where is it? What are your action steps? How you respond physiologically? Do you trust your instincts and how the building's built? You can use those to get behind a locked door or put some kind of barrier between that bad thing and you. And once we show people that, it's easy for them to take charge of their own safety and really be empowered, which mm. is what I'm all about, empowering you to feel safer and be, actually be safer. Yeah, I, I love that. So what was the transition like going from a police officer to, I mean, to an entrepreneur? I mean, running your own business, starting your own business. How, how's that transition been? 
Well, you know, I think that a lot of people, uh, when they get ready to retire, they think of going fishing or playing golf. Or I do. Oh, right. right absolutely. Right. I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do as well, but I'm not a very good golfer, so I had to look at another option. Now, I looked at, it really was from, it was, I'll tell you, it was my whole um, start to this you know, research and, and trying to make people more safe was from a very unsafe childhood. But for me, going from a retired law enforcement officer, I was glad I had something to do that made me feel good because I knew I was trying to make people's lives better by making them more safe. So the transition was because I started this company in 2011 and 2012, the research particularly about police officers and why they're not victims of crime. I kind of saw the momentum building, and then towards the last three years, I started doing a lot more travel. But and even the last year, I worked at the town of Cary. They had me leave the police department and come to the town of Cary to work for the town manager. And I actually, this is I did that full time. So my transition was really a lot easier because my last year as a town of Cary employee was on special assignment, doing this safety training in the community and for our town of town of Cary employees. So it was a it was rewarding, and at the same time, it's not hard to miss your job because I love being a police officer. So I, I really, you really just miss the people, though, right? Yeah. Like when we came in here today, meet some of your uh, friends where we're recording this, uh, meeting our folks from Attend. I mean, really, that's it's the relationships you have, and so those relationships are missing, and you have to be very intentional to keep them up. After retire, you have to be very intentional. Yeah. We do a decent job at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned from a unsafe childhood that kind of led to becoming a police work police mm-hmm. officer. Um, I. I, I always I always think that like there's things in our life that happen and can take us one direction or the other, either towards something or away for away from something. And it's I don't want to say it's nice to hear. I don't know what the exact words are, but it's interesting to mm-hmm. find that you ran into police work to help make other people more safe. And I I commend you for that. And I de- dedicated a whole career to that. I mean, both while you were a police officer and now after the fact. So um, thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. I think we think about moving to Raleigh and why we all want to live here and how great the place is. Well, as a kid, I moved, we moved 30 times before I went to, well, I went from high school to Marine Corps before college just to break the poverty cycle, yeah. but uh, in the danger cycle. Although I guess going to the Marine Corps could have put me in a lot more danger. Right. <laughs> Depends on you, what you consider danger, I guess. <laughs> right. But what I found though, because we move so frequently between Tennessee and Alabama and Florida is when you come to a place like Raleigh, you see all the universities, all the education, the culture, you know, the business, the, the growth of business in our area. So when I think, when, you know, that the process to, from childhood to now a retired police officer doing a safety business, uh, that's personal safety at work, by the way, but, uh, but doing my personal safety at work business, it's really been great because now I get to travel around beyond giving the, 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 the why of my life is making people more safe. So that's W-H-Y. But, um, but going around to all these different states and in Europe and China and now the Middle East some, but it's, um, you know, prior to COVID, of course, <laughs> mm-hmm. on hold for a bit. But, um, but it lets you appreciate why people want to live here in Raleigh North, in the RTP, Raleigh, Durham area, Chapel Hill, is because it's just such a rich culture and you, can, you don't have to be in a big city that have a lot of really meaningful things that make these communities so great. Yeah, and you've built a, a career around safety primarily in Cary, which isn't Cary like now one of the safest places to live. Is that because of you? Did you do that? Uh, I did not do that. We, you know, I say, Part of it. I bet you did. Uh, I bet you know, you're involved. 
I was part of, I'm glad to be part of a team. Yeah, of, that did of that. course. I'll, I'll say it's live. It's our government officials setting good growth plans. But that's right, though. Cary is like one of the safest places to live. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, for probably 12 of the 21 years, I worked at Duke University Police and Durham Police prior to this while I was in college. And, uh, but, um, yeah, it's a very safe community. But the reason it is is because of our town government and our building plans and our master plans and parks and all the entertainment. So you can really create these, the way we use lighting, how you use LED lighting versus regular amber lights you see on the streets. There's a lot of things you can do about that. And, yes, there are – It's you know, we jokingly call the contained area for relocating Yankees. Uh, I'm aware. <laughs> right. Being but, one of them, although yeah. I don't live in Cary, but yes. We can get you a realtor. You know a realtor. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if there's a realtor listening, would you please reach out to me? <laughs> well, the, the fun part about Cary and Raleigh and all that is there's there's some places that aren't safe everywhere you go. but And that doesn't mean crime doesn't happen in Cary, but it happens far less because there's far less opportunity. It's how you, when you walk out of a public building, there's wide open spaces for you to have sightline distance. So you can see there's a risky thing going on, but a lot of it's really legislated and it's how our government builds a smart city. And smart city technology is another part of that, which all Raleigh and Durham and Chapel Hill and Cary are all involved in those initiatives for smart cities, which makes it such a better place to live. What are some of those things when you say smart cities? Right. We're talking about how we use transportation, how we have increased the, uh, so we have, uh, what's the, go Cary, go Raleigh, go Durham, go Chapel Hill, and then you have go RTP. So you have this bus system. So if somebody is not able to be real mobile, you have a way to get there, just having access to the bus system. But I remember 20 years ago, if you saw a bus in Cary, it was lost. Oh, wow. I mean, you just we just didn't have a good bus system. It was very limited service. We just do door-to-door service. But now all these partnerships allow these communities. To, they're still separate communities. But to get from downtown Cary to downtown Raleigh or get from Raleigh to Durham or Chapel Hill, it's much easier because of smart transportation systems. And we think about technology like a lot of our city technology is parking spaces. That's one of the initiatives Cary's working on. I was on the Smart City Initiative as a police officer in that part of that is how do we um, how do we say if a parking space is free or they have a you go to Herb Young Community Center it's this, um, a community center in the downtown area next to the town offices of town of Cary they have an app that you can look at and see where the parking spaces are what's free if there's free parking there if you know how full things are so that's one of the many things how we track water sewer water fresh water the rain gauges of how we know how much rain's falling in an area whether we water it or not so there's a number of wide spectrum of things that are going to help. Uh, radio systems that work now, Raleigh uh, and Cary use the same public service radio. So it's fire, police, uh, emergency management. We all use the same radio system that the town of Cary operates. And there's, you know, I don't think that we can add, add another 2,000, uh, 22,000 users to it. But right now we, we're all using the same system, which means if I need to help with an emergency, I flip one channel, I can talk to a Raleigh officer. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to the listeners here, but for public safety, be that fire, police, emergency management, uh, um, emergency medical services, we can all communicate much more effectively. So these smart city initiatives and bringing us all together, be, be that geographically by our bus systems, electronically by our computer system, integrated dispatch for all of our first responders. I'm leaning more toward first responders because yeah. that's what I was involved in. But you know, those are the things that make it so... You, when you feel safer, there's a reason you feel safer if you don't know all the underlying things are going on that you don't see. Yeah. We'll get back to the good stuff in just a second, but for now, let's thank the cool people that make this whole thing work. 
Connect Raleigh podcast is supported by Attended Events, a decidedly different full-service corporate event management and production company in the heart of downtown Raleigh, specializing in virtual events, conferences, award galas, and employee events of all kinds. Attended Events puts event management and production under one roof to create seamless events with the goals of delivering exceptional experiences for their clients and doing whatever it takes to make their clients look good. If you or someone you know is looking for a partner to bring their events to the next level, look no further. Find out more at attendedevents.com. Nest Raleigh. Nest Raleigh, or as the locals call it, The Nest, is an independently owned, unique co-working space with communal workspace, dedicated desks, private suites, and event space. It's located in the heart of downtown Raleigh, right in City Plaza, and home to companies and people from a wide spectrum of industries, including digital marketing, design, IT, security, human resources, real estate, tech, and even more. And I mean, that's why I'm there as a real estate agent constantly on the go. I love having a flexible co-working space that I can pop into, set my stuff up at a desk, work when I need to work, peace out when I need to peace out and be around exciting, fun, cool people in downtown Raleigh. If you're looking for a co-working space, you got to check out The Nest. You can book a tour right off the website, nestraleigh.com, and tell them the Connect Raleigh podcast sent you. Go check it out right now. And we're back with Connect Raleigh. I get asked all the time about safety and crime, and I'm not allowed to make comment on a lot of those things. As a real estate agent, I can point people in the right direction. I can send them to a website. I can uh, have a podcast with a uh, safety expert, mm -hmm. which then I can use as a resource. But I need to be careful about the things that I say because I, I can't steer people into certain mm -hmm. neighborhoods. When I first moved here in 2007, I moved from Baltimore. And before that, I was living in Vail, Colorado. And so I lived in Vail, Colorado, where... Uh, this might not be an exact stat, but I remember hearing there'd been one murder there in 40 years. Right. And then I moved to Baltimore. And that was not the same stat in Baltimore. Maybe every 40 minutes. <laughs> About 40 minutes was actually probably a little bit more likely, if not 40 hours for it's sure. Funny, but it's it's true, but it was true. It was the exact opposite of the pendulum, right? And I wanted that. I wanted to live in a city. I wanted to feel that uh, I wanted to feel that different vibe than living up in the mountains. And it was a little bit too much for me. And moving to Raleigh seemed to be a, a good fit for me. It was a smaller city, a little more midsize, I guess. Um, definitely I felt safer when I moved here. Not that I felt unsafe in Baltimore, but um, it just felt different coming here. But when I, I wasn't in real estate at the time, I got connected with a real estate agent. And um, yeah, uh, I only told a few people this, but um, she reminded me of Betty White. She was about 110 years old. She had bright, bright white hair. She was about five foot three. And when she asked me where I wanted to move, I said, I want to live in downtown Raleigh. And she said, no, dear, you can't go down there. You'll get killed. Hmm. And this was in 2007. And she was a real estate agent. And she can't say things like that. And I even knew that. And I wasn't an agent at the time. But I was like, well, what do you mean? She goes, I haven't been downtown in like 25 years. You'll get killed down there. Okay. I'm like, well, how do you know? And she's like, well, I, I just, I don't go down there and I don't think it's a good idea. Well, that's where I want to be. And that's where I moved. And that's where I've been for the last, mm -hmm. however long. Um, but I find it, that was fascinating to have that experience, but I get asked all the time about crime and safety and I can tell my personal feelings, but I got to be careful about, mm -hmm. you know, some things I say, what are some good resources for mm -hmm. people that are moving here from outside the area that want to learn more about 
Raleigh, Cary, the triangle in general, and about the safety and crime statistics and things like that? Well, it's interesting you ask that because whenever I help students moving from China to come here to study at our universities here, we have a large population of our Chinese and our Asian friends that come and uh, from other, now I just picked up a school I'm helping in Saudi Arabia, that when we find these people, when, whether they are friends from another country or from uh, another state here in, in North Carolina or outside of North Carolina, you can always, you, you have a couple of resources. One is you just want to run the numbers. It's easy to look from the FBI stats because you can look at the FBI and see what cities, cities are supposed to report their crime numbers. What I do very easily is just call the city department and ask for the crime analyst. You know, if you if you're in, you want to go to Morrisville or Durham or Cary or Raleigh, and just tell them the area you want to live in. Give us crime stats in general, and then when you start working with your real estate person, of course that's going to be Chuck. <laughs> Thanks um, for the plug. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but uh, when you start working with your real estate, ask where you want where a good place to look for a home, and you're going to know that. And even though you can't say. You certainly can say, well, you know, there's ways to find out if you're wondering about safety, you can talk to your local police department and they and give them the address and they give a radius of what it is around you. I have a, somebody on my staff that does that. So every time I go speak, lecture at a conference or I'm at a, a you know, different uh, properties in the United States and Europe, I'll get a crime map and I'll show it, throw it in my presentation and say, well, this is what happened the last year around you. So we can get really to have a real talk about crime because as your friend, uh, the former, maybe looked like Betty White, <laughs> You can make assumptions about it, but the reality is you can you can feel it when you sit in the neighborhood. The other one, that's the other one, though, is that uh, how many people are walking in the neighborhood, walking kids and dogs and family members? And so if I wanted to move into a place, I would go there on the evenings and on weekends. You'll get a sense of the movement and traffic. Do you, do you feel unsafe then? So that's going to give you another chance to be a gauge. But before I brought bought a prop, purchased a property, I would call up the police department in that area, ask for a crime analyst, and see if they can give you the crime numbers. There are some software programs out there that you can tap into and get a get the same information. But your law enforcement agency, local, will do it for free. Wow. So just you know, John Doe can pick up the phone, mm-hmm. call the police department, ask for a crime analyst and get that information. They can. And actually I was talking to somebody who does a lot of commercial real estate listing and they're in different, um, either leases or sales or, uh, you know, flex space. And that's the very thing we're talking about today is the value add to you as a realtor or as somebody of here trying to bring people to the Raleigh, Durham, uh, Chapel Hill Carey area is knowing how we can give them information. Information is power and you can, and the feeling is one thing and you certainly want to check the area out in different hours of where you want to buy a place whether it be that commercial or personal but in the other side of it is is you can have facts mm-hmm. and facts are hard to because you, know, you have to report crime most people report crimes when they happen some don't but most do and when they do the they the, the police department or law enforcement uh law enforcement they can't lie about it they have to give you the numbers as they are the other piece of it is is so if you have a student coming here to study and that may be a first chance for you to get involved with the raleigh durham chapel area is you the campus police would give you their crime stats you need to give the city crime stat as well so if they're going to move off campus i would generally tell somebody to stay on their campus for two years to get a feel for what's going on off the campus when you go about your everyday life for that those two years but when you um or you're going to pick housing off you you know off the campus you need to talk to that local jurisdiction to find out what those crime numbers are at least for that neighborhood and the path they take to school okay so you've mentioned students a couple times and Mm -hmm. um it sounds like you've got uh, foreign students that are, are are that you're working with to help them as they're transitioning to school in the U.S. How did that get started? Interesting you'd ask. Uh, towards uh, the last last three years of my career, four years of my career, huh, 
Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'll be retired retired as of the September 1st for two full years, but I worked that last year in a special assignment. But one of my jobs was to manage West Cary, which is about 25 square miles, about 70,000 people. Um, we had about 40 cops managing it. And so we had our Chinese community come and say, well, you know, we don't feel safe and we don't feel like you're, you're really being involved in our community. You're not really embedded in our community. We can't call somebody. So somebody tapped me and said, well, you're the district commander. Why don't you go make that happen? And so I started teaching uh, at, um, this is interesting, our, ch- well, you know, I love when I value my own information. It's interesting. <laughs> what I'm about to say is really good. You really so need to write this down. <laughs> no, uh, so we have a, a lot of our public schools like Panther Creek High School, Apex Middle School, and Summit Raleigh that on Saturdays become Chinese schools. And you'll have hundreds of kids there and their parents coming for culture lessons, dance lessons, writing, whatever. And the parents would come and talk about things that are important to them, running a business, you know, different offerings you could have in the community, one of which was safety. So I was doing a talk at Panther Creek High School on a Saturday to talk to this community as a district commander. And one of the people in the audience is a, is a recruiter for the Beijing Royal School, which is located in Beijing, of course. And it's a very hot, very expensive school. And then the person who owns that's a billionaire. He owns some conglomerations of businesses, but he owns a bunch of schools around China. So one day, then we said, can you go to lunch? He was in town and his daughter was there, the person who lives in Chapel Hill. And they said, hey, we'd like to send some students to take your class. And I'm like... Absolutely, because who doesn't want to go to Duke or Chapel Hill or State? You know, so we have that really is a good recruiting tool for us. So they flew eight kids over. They took my class um, on how not to be a victim of a crime, employee personal safety, and we we do a little bit of modification for students, um, and they loved it. And so they flew back the next day, and then I got a visa, and they said, "When can you come and visit?" And I spent 19 days there, and wow, went from Beijing to Chengdu, uh, did a couple of virtual classes up in the. Uh, Northern into China, saw a bunch of pandas and <laughs> did a lot of time, but it was a That's lecture awesome. at some colleges and it really found it resonated because safety, a core of our safety is our id. You talk about your Freud classes and your id is safety. And so no matter what the language is or your culture, we ultimately just want our family to be safe and we can give them tools to help their family be safe. One of the classes I offer to the parents though is this is how you find found housing for your kids. So we'd say, okay, if you're going to look at a college, look at these locations, and then you're looking for these kind of things. Is there a big apartment community where it's almost all students? Or is it a, a neighborhood by the school? Like on, Duke camp, on Duke's East Campus, there's a bunch of neighborhoods all around where the kids rent houses. But, you know, you, gotta, you want to check the stats for that area before you let your child move. A number of our Chinese friends, they actually move here while their kids are in school. So they're buying houses mm-hmm. in the area. But there's a, it's really the problem that our Chinese friends in particular, but I found this in one Middle East school, where they come to our, our American universities, they have a higher victimization rate of crime. Maybe their English isn't the best. Maybe they're picking bad housing. Maybe the hour of the night they come home from the library, you're studying really hard, and it's 3 in the morning. I'm going to go walk down Gorman Street. Might not be the best idea, just saying. Uh, but it's really about how we make better choices in our everyday decisions when we're talking about our kids' safety. You can be involved in that and take small steps to make them safer. And these students, while they have a higher, they have about a four-time higher victimization rate compared to you and I when we were in college of around 2.3, they're in the teens of 13, 14, 16% of crime. So we're able with Beijing Royal School get that we're tracking that and trying to get the kids down you know, down below the six or seven or eight percent. So making a lot less. But a lot of times our friends are worried about victimization rate and tying that into their immigration immigration status to be able to study, and have being a victim of a crime and your immigration status are they're they're in, they they don't connect. Your immigration status is are you a good citizen while you're here? Yeah, it has nothing to do with you're a victim. We want you to know that and keep you safe. 
Oh, I, I, I love that you're doing all that. And you also do a, um, is it distracted driver program? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that because you mentioned to me once before, and although my daughter is a number of years away from driving, it's going to be here before I know it. What's some of the stuff that you do with that program? Well, I don't envy your thought about putting your daughter behind a wheel. Uh, <laughs> well, I already, I, I remember the year, I remember the age at when I first stole my parents' car and, okay. and it's coming up for her. <laughs> and so I'm just thinking about that. You know uh, what? I, I think we all can go and say, we, we know that distracted driving is a big problem. I was actually doing a, a, a golf tournament for some insurance agents and I had a quiz there. And the short version is, by the way, I started distracted driver training because I got hit by somebody texting and, through, and drove through a crosswalk where it was as clear for me to walk in San Diego. Did I tell you about the time I got hit? No. Not to get, not to get totally ahead. off topic. So um, 2018, so three years ago, I was I just dropped my kids off at school and I was driving to the office. I, had, I was in Nightdale. I just got on 540 at, um, at uh, um, 64 and was heading towards Creedmoor Road mm -hmm. and I'd been on the on 540 for less than five minutes and was pulling up to where the traffic had just stopped dead there must have been an accident up ahead so I'm I'm rolling to a stop uh and as soon as I stopped dead I looked in my rearview mirror uh -huh. and wham and I got hit and the police when they did the report they said that the driver probably never hit her brakes yep. was texting yep. and was going at least 65 or 70 miles an hour totaled my car totaled it and um messed up my back and neck and i've been dealing with rehab stuff ever since because of that yeah it, it really accounts to about 90 billion dollars a year and when you combine speeding wow. with distracted driving we get to that 180 billion I've, I've, i don't have the stat in front of me but what i found whenever i had my incident where somebody hit me in the crosswalk luckily i saw it last second i almost got hit in while well, i was speaking at london school of economics and then i was in your in um ireland the second time i've been i was in san diego and i did get hit I just think it's such a problem. And I did this quiz, and, and for your listeners, just to think about this, what is something you do that's distracted driving, has nothing to do with the phone, that makes you 80% more likely to have a crash? And, of, and uh, the uh, National Highway Safety Administration says that, uh, says that you're of all the attempt, almost wrecks nearby, you, know, you almost wrecked, but you didn't, you're doing this activity 65% of the time. And most people never think about what it is, and we all do it all the time. Um, uh, I, I was going to say eating, but I'm guess is it? That's it. Yeah, rock star, gold star for you, Chuck. I was going to say eating. But then as soon as you said nobody says it, I was like, that can't be it. Well, they never talk about Interesting. it. Interesting. And uh, actually, I was talking to some troopers the other day. The short of that is they said, well, I, I don't look at that. I, we, did, we did distracted driving. I'm like, did you ever ask about eating? Oh, no. Right. Hmm. And if NHTSA, said, uh, National Highway Safe, Traffic Safety Administration, says that that's the big problem, I'm going to believe them. But so we need to look holistically at distracted driving. And in the end, we've turned it, we've created a turnkey program because a lot of our small business owners, the HVA groups in this area, or uh, other small businesses, with you have eight or ten or fifteen, twenty, maybe thirty vehicles. How much are you talking about safety? Do you mandate a mandatory backing policy? Do you? So there's a lot of things we can help with, but it's really boring. Out. I'm just got mad. Hmm. I got really angry. Somebody me while I was walking through a crosswalk. Yeah. So we created the program, but it's been a it's been another gift to help people be safer. And if we can, gosh, for your daughter, how much would you like her not you know have these safety tools? So actually, every company I train and give to, we we train them in the fleet management, uh, just directed driving. We give it to all, all their fifteen to twenty one year olds. Get it for free. Oh, smart.
Nice. Well, because how do you feel as a parent giving it to your kids? And so I just looked at the value proposition, and it just seems like it, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So my daughter's eight. <laughs> Is it time for her to get that yet? Yeah. Let's hope she doesn't take your car. Oh, yeah. I think it was probably about 13 when I did it. So, yeah. So we got a few years. Um, let's talk about, so you you retire from, from police work, but you decide to stay in this area, start your company here and stick mm-hmm. around. Um you know, with retirement and being an amazing golfer like you are and <laughs> loving fishing and you could have went anywhere. Why did you stick around here? Well, I, 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 as I said earlier in the podcast, it's um, because I've moved so much as a kid and then along the way as my journeys with the military and then my schools with, you know, the police, I almost when I was about maybe, I don't know, 10 years into my law enforcement career, I almost went to Palm Beach, Florida. So I went down and went, made three visits, interviewed with the Palm Beach, um, um, not the uh, the community, the island uh, police department. Almost took the job, but I every time I came back here, Raleigh was listed as the best of this, the best of that, and you know the, if you want to find that, just just about best place for women operating business, best place for entrepreneurs of you know of color. Just it's really just every mark check mark yeah. says we are legitimately looking at our whole population, the service our whole population. I just found that to be so rewarding that we can connect with this community and live here. Because living here most people envy that we live here and they don't. I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of my friends that talk about this area, they're oh Raleigh. And there's a company called Azurga that I'm working with now that um there's a guy in California that's one of their development chief business operating guys and he he has visited here several times. I would, that's one place I'd leave San Francisco and I'd come here. That's where I would go. And so after you hear just about everybody that you meet say how great this area is, the weather's great, the economy's great, we have big business coming and we have tech firms coming in. So the job workforce, you know, the higher pay jobs, it's just, there's a lot of reasons to make this fantastic besides Chuck. Yeah, besides <laughs> me. And I don't think we're keeping it a secret at all because this whole podcast is about how amazing yeah. this place is. Right. And uh, it's just going to keep getting busier and busier. I mean, are we doing the right things as far as a, as a city and management and triangle goes of keeping this place on those top lists in your opinion with all the people that are coming here? I can speak for the town of Cary because I was very active with that, uh, with uh, just being involved in a lot of the community initiatives and how we, I'll, I'll give you one example. And I, I will say yes to this, but what we found in our, our we have a lot of our Indian friends that moved here and they're, they're in West Cary. There's a large population, um, but we're developing two parks. So one day we're in a meeting about how we're going to communicate this to our citizens that we're going to build these two parks and we want your input on what you want. And so our Indian friends were saying, like, we want a soccer field, but don't give it away to some other community soccer league. Leave it there so we can have it or for cricket, if we want to play or whatever, or basketball or tennis. And so we didn't get a lot of response from our, uh, our Chinese or Indian community. So I said, let's do a blast, a letter blast, three miles outside of you know, where both these parks are going to go. It was an amazing conversation. We brought all these people in. We had a way, we had a West Cary, uh, there's a West Cary summit they do each year. It's just, it's a community fair and people came out and they came out and drove. It was so wonderful because we were able to in very intentionally, okay, we need, we need bike paths. Okay, now we need this. So when we look at the infrastructure improvements like the Cary downtown park or like over 540 in West Cary, the DOT is building the ramp to go over it but they're not putting bike lanes in. So the town of Cary set aside $12 million. I think that number's wrong, please forgive me on your podcast. But they set up millions of dollars aside so they can just go ahead and add the, the 
add, add that, the, you know, the bike path so you can walk or you can ride your bike across. So when you look around what they're doing with Mooresville and trying to develop a new downtown, or if it's Raleigh and their cultural events, Red Hat Stadium, uh, Red Hat Amphitheater, or what they're bringing to the convention center, and then what we're doing with the downtown, the park. And if you look at the development downtown Durham by Bulls Athletic Park, it is just yeah. completely. So it's not like we're staying behind the times. And it's just looking at so between a uh, infrastructure improvement from a busing improvement, like we're talking about the radio system, park system, and then integrating those. So we're sharing a lot of those resources, uh, just the soccer stadium where our um, we have a women's professional league and we had the Railhawks playing. Just that soccer stadium, it's, 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 it was built up to add 10,000 seats because that's out for our hotels fund. So the hotels fund, looking at the infrastructure, now we're thinking about getting a major league soccer team in here. When you look at those developments, that's not from a failing or a, a city going and regressing. It's from a city progressing. Yeah. And all this infrastructure, it just makes it a better culture experience for you, me and you and our kids. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And their kids. Yeah, and, and on and on and on. So I think we probably could have titled today's podcast connect carry because ah. because there, because <laughs> you got a love for carry um absolutely what are some of your f- favorite places to to do and care or favorite places to go and carry or favorite things to do when you're uh, when you're not working you know the downtown's becoming that because there's so many great restaurants and the park is just the, the park construction is just completely ongoing it's really in full bloom if you will to get that done uh, i really like the waverly area uh it's and it's generally within a few miles where i live uh, the Cocoa Booth is just, you can't miss with that. And then the Tennis Center, this, they have a giant tennis center, if you haven't been there, where I actually met Billie Jean King there. and oh, some no other, kidding. I had a, yeah, actually, uh, one of my jobs was to have it. I was her executive protection, air quotes. Like, all they want to do is hug her. They don't want <laughs> <laughs> need protection. But uh, anyway, no, it's been some... Nobody wants stuff. to harm Billie Jean. We just oh, want hugs. Gosh, she's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, you know, between the... In the western part, the tennis center and that area, the, the southern part, Love Booth Amphitheater and the Waverly Shopping Center is where I tend to be in that area more. But it's, you know, it's just... It's becoming the Raleigh, RTP, Durham, Cary area where we all believe in that. Really, they're trying to build a safer, you know, more in, embedded community where you have these, you know, multifamily housing, you have, you know, townhomes, you have a shopping center, you have apartments over the where you have eateries. And it's just it's these planned communities and it's happening in Durham and Raleigh. And Cary. <laughs> and Cary. Uh, I'm a big, yeah, but I'm, I actually live there. So, I'm yeah. No, it's good. I, you know, I call this Connect Raleigh and, you know, to me, which, you know, I'm not from here. Well, everybody already knows that. And I don't want to offend anybody by any means, but Raleigh to me is the whole area. Like it kind of is. And I know it's the triangle, but it's, I just call this area Raleigh. And to me, it's all the things that surround it and that make it up. And I would have a really long podcast name if I called it Connect, Cary, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, you know, Eastern Wake. Garner on all these places because there's so many places that surround the Raleigh area that make this place mm-hmm. amazing and maybe I need to rebrand it but for now it's called well, Connect Raleigh. Actually, I, forgive me. Actually, I would tell you that when I'm on a plane or I'm in another city or another country, I say Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Or I say I went to Duke, or I'll say that I'll, I'll make some reference that's. Generally, not, I don't start with the word carry North Carolina. Like yeah. I live outside Raleigh, is what I normally yeah. say. But I think if I think if you live in Durham, you're saying Durham. No, if if yeah. someone's in Durham, they're not saying they live in Raleigh. No, no, no but and vice versa. I mean, there's there's a there's a nice friendly competition between oh, the sure. two areas. But if you're if you're living in one, you're not claiming the other. 
Yeah, but you think of in your in your community downtown Raleigh, how many live in Durham? Yeah. And how many in Raleigh drive to Durham for many of the industries industries there? So, or to watch a sport, you're not going to you don't go to Raleigh to watch the Durham Bulls. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you go that's to Durham Bulls, you are you know uh, Durham Athletic Performance Center, DBAP. Yeah. Uh, DBAP. DBAP. DPAC. DPAC. Yeah, go. yeah, yeah. I've seen a couple good shows there. Um, all right, so let's talk about um, sporting events. Where, where do you go? What are your favorite things to do? I know where you're going normally in the wintertime, but what, what do you like to do? What, what, what's your favorite sport around here? Uh, I, I'm probably a, a bit leaning towards, although our soccer teams are just, they're, they're, they're terrific. I'm probably leaning a little more towards uh, Duke basketball or uh-huh. I'm go to um, Duke basketball and both Duke football for Duke and State. I, all my Carolina fans love you guys, but that's um, – yeah, that's not where I generally go to watch football. Luckily, we have so many great options around here. Mm-hmm. Got the Canes. Okay. Oh, 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 I will say that. Yeah, well, you firsthand know I go yeah. to the Canes games. Yeah, I know. That's where we connected. So I hope um, I get my seats back. I, I hope you get around. your seats back. Golly. I know. I hope you get them back, too, and I hope I get invited again. You know, the great thing is is that uh, in I think the, um, the Carolina Hurricanes can be a really good um, – lens into our community about what we're trying to do when they first came here after the Stanley Cup run and they won you know the product just wasn't good and you know the the attendance was low and it just looked like it was a pandemic then because nobody was going to the games but they saw that we have new ownership they started bringing in these better players and bringing in back some other players that were really good that left because the product wasn't good and you look at what they offer now they had a, they had a stanley cup run last year and they'll do again this year as well and we look at some of the player moving around how you agree about that may be a question but but i tell you that that i think because we have a successful professional hockey team that's not going anywhere it really just shows how much growth and how much uh, building infrastructure and bringing in a good valued product really, um, really resonates across our community because you can be a Duke, Carolina, or whatever, but we're all pretty much Canes fans unless you're from a market that has a hockey team. That's right. That you grew up on. So it's nice to see the friendly banter when people come in, but you can at least go there and not get a beer spill on your Yeah. Side. You go to a Braves game and wear a Yankees top, that might not look so well. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> not great. a Braves, I mean a Boston, Boston game. Yeah, great point. I really appreciate that. Man, I really just appreciate you ha- coming and having a conversation with me today. It's been nice. We've been talking about it for a minute. So thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing your perspective and giving our listeners really a great insight into – Raleigh, Cary, Durham, Chapel Hill, the whole area, and especially what makes us a great place to live, keeps us on those top lists up there and keeps this place safe. So I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much for the podcast and the invitation. I think you do a great job of celebrating what's so great about living in this area. Thanks. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Chuck. If you've enjoyed this episode, please visit us at connectraleigh.com. The Connect Raleigh podcast connects you to the amazing people and places of Raleigh, North Carolina. Check out the show notes for more ways to connect with our guests and with Chuck. Be sure to rate this podcast, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're currently listening, share it, and leave us a review. Thank you for connecting with Connect Raleigh.